as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Time appropriate greetings wherever you may be throughout the world. Thanks for joining me this morning. I am Brad Schmidt. This is, in fact, the Schmidt Show. And uh, um, it uh, it is the Schmidt Show podcast sans Hig this morning. So uh, the Hig had a birthday party yesterday and has to get some things caught up. So he is unfortunately not going to make it in today. But today we are going to be talking about Ivanka Trump. Is Ivanka Trump going to be, or could she be, the next George W.? We're going to talk about some other stuff too, but I want to ask that question as we look at the world of politics uh, over the last couple of decades there has been this push toward, um, I don't know if, if dynasties are the right way to say it or, or dynastic kind of, of approaches to politics is the, is the proper thought process here. But we, we look back over the last couple of decades, of course, if you go way back to the, um, if you go way back to the, the, um, the founding fathers, you had, George Washington, of course, then John Adams, and then John Quincy Adams, his son, also as the president a few uh, terms later. So are we at a point where we're maybe returning to that, looking into, again, I I don't want to use the terms like monarchistic or, or dynastic or anything like that, but we saw George W. Bush um, follow in the footsteps of his father, George H. W. Bush. Um, we have seen Al Gore and his father both involved in politics. We're beginning to see more and more of the familial um, names in in modern politics. And we're seeing this, you know, would Hillary Clinton be a good president just because her husband was president. Does that make Hillary Clinton qualify? Everybody wants Obama's wife, uh, Michelle, to run for president. Everybody has been, on the left anyway, been talking about the possibility of Chelsea Clinton running for president. And so is there any appetite for, as much as there is an appetite for Michelle Obama, for Hillary Clinton, for Chelsea Clinton, uh, and others, is there any appetite, Jeb Bush on the Republican side, is there any appetite for Ivanka Trump to one day run, or maybe Donald Trump Jr., or maybe even Jared Kushner run for president? Is there is there any appetite for that thought process in um, in modern politics, for Ivanka to be the next George W for Ivanka to be the the modern day John Quincy Adams and taking on that that role or that position to to step up and be you know the next Hillary the next Chelsea and follow in dad's footsteps and I'm not sure that this would be an entirely bad idea and, and the reason I say that, look, first of all, let me let me be clear. I'm not a huge Ivanka Trump fan. 
I do not believe that she is as conservative as she should be. I don't believe that that she is actually really all that conservative at all. In fact, there's there's a lot of concerns, and we'll get to those as we go on through the show, um, through the podcast today. But the the possibility of Ivanka Trump being the first female president seems to me to be much more attractive than the possibility of a Kamala Harris or a an Elizabeth Warren or a Hillary Clinton or a Chelsea Clinton or whatever. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not going to get on here and start shilling for for Ivanka Trump as as our next president because. I was never really all that big a fan of a of Donald Trump as the president in the first place. I was never a huge uh, proponent of Donald Trump because I didn't think he was as conservative as he should be. I didn't think that he was as conservative as, um, well, I, I didn't really honestly think he was conservative at all. As, at all. And quite honestly, I'm a, I'm a little surprised that he has done the things that he has done. Um, but that being said, could Ivanka Trump be the next George W? You know, the, to to follow in their father's footsteps as the next president. Now, obviously, she's not going to run in twenty twenty against her dad. Um, nobody's expecting that. Um, nobody's expecting that she's going to, um, you know, try to to make a run for her dad. You know, this isn't Game of Thrones kind of thing, but. She she has the business savvy of Donald Trump. She's got an education from Wharton School, uh, the Wharton School of Business. She's got a degree, I believe, in in economics or international economics or or whatever it is. Um, so she's certainly um, got the 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 business savvy that is necessary or that has come to be necessary to run a a country like the United States. And and we've we've kind of determined that most of us would like to see a president that is more business focused and less politics focused, right? It's all about the economy. I don't remember. Was it, was it uh Krauthammer that I always used to say it's the economy dummy. It's always the economy. And if the economy is doing well, that's what people are happy about. If the economy isn't doing well, that's what people are upset about. All of the other stuff is on the periphery. We can be at endless war, but as long as everybody's getting rich, nobody cares, right? That's the that's the discussion. And, of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's the idea. So the question of whether or not Ivanka could be the next George W. is not really out, that far out of the realm of possibility. She's obviously attractive, and I don't mean physically attractive. I mean from a political point of view. She is obviously an attractive candidate. She, of course, she's not hard to look at either. But that's not that's not the point I'm trying to get at. She is she is an attractive personality. She she's not nearly as abrasive as her dad. She's not nearly as abrasive as as Donald is. She doesn't come across as that kind of um, arrogant, narcissistic kind of you know. I know everything and I'm the greatest of at everything and I always will be the greatest at everything. She is a much more likable personality. She is more attractive, I think, to the general population. And she seems to be 
just a general better all-around schmoozer. She she seems to be able to um to interact socially more effectively than her dad. She she seems to not turn people off the way her dad turns people off. She seems to have this ability to that even if you disagree with her you still kind of like her. You still want to be around her. You still want to be connected to her clique, her group, right? She's the popular kid in school. Even if you don't like the things that she's doing, you still want to be in her circle. That's the kind of thing that I think is going to make for a president that would be able to get things done. Now, that being said, like I said, I, I want to be very clear, and I'm going to keep saying this because I'm, I know some of you, you're crazy. Why would you want Donald Trump's daughter to be the president? Again, this isn't a conservative, Republican, you know, Democrat, liberal, right, left, whatever kind of discussion. This is a discussion about whether or not she would be an electable candidate for the presidency, which I think she would. She actually reminds me of Ronald Reagan in the fact, as I mentioned, that if you, even if you disagree with her, you still find her somewhat attractive. As a, and, and again, not physically, don't turn this into some weirdo whatever, you know, the Schmidt show's all googly-eyed for Ivanka Trump. That's not the point. I don't mean physically attractive. I, I mean attractive as, an, as a candidate for the presidency. And when I think of Reagan, when I think of what he was able to accomplish, what he was able to get done with a Democratic Congress, what he was able to get done with Tip O'Neill as the Speaker of the House and all of the things that happened during his presidency, Ronald Reagan was one of those people that even if you disagreed with him, even if you thought his ideas were completely and totally insane, you still kind of liked the guy. He was a likable individual. As a human being, he was someone you wanted to know. He was someone that you wanted to have a beer with, a cup of coffee with, have lunch with, whatever. He was the kind of person that that you enjoyed being around. He had a good uh, good sense of humor. He had a quick wit. He was funny. He was an enjoyable person. Now, again, don't confuse me that I'm saying that, that Ivanka Trump is, is some sort of you know conservative stalwart that will um, emulate Ronald Reagan's policies, because I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think she's much, even much more liberal than her dad. Um, so again, don't hear this as, oh, hey, I'm, I'm going to endorse Ivanka Trump as, the, as our next president. But she is definitely much less abrasive, much more uh, likable than her dad. And that's one of the things that, that people, I think, why there is so much hatred for Donald Trump. Like even even the people who six years ago or five years ago thought Donald Trump was the greatest thing since sliced bread when he was on The Apprentice and and he was doing all the things that he was doing and he was donating to to um, to Hillary Clinton's campaign and he was donating to this Democrat and that Democrat and and the people that loved him then hate him now and it's not even I don't think it's even so much because of his policies I don't think it's that they even hate him because of his economic policies or foreign policy or anything like that, I think they hate him just because he's an abrasive personality. 
And, well, and the left hates everything, but we'll get to that because I'm going to talk about that later today, too. The left just generally hates everything. Hey, welcome, Becky and Eric and Dean and Dave. I guess I didn't even notice all the folks that had signed on. So welcome, guys. Um, the, the, anyway, the point being is I'm not suggesting that Ivanka Trump is some, going to be some Republican uh, hero of the faith or anything like that. She, I just think that she could make a very attractive candidate for the presidency come 2024. And and for a lot of the reasons, or a lot of the, I guess, the anti-reasons, if you will, that Donald Trump is has now been elected. She's not abrasive. She's likable. She's she she comes across as someone who, even though you may not disagree with her policies, she understands the policies that she is espousing. She seems intelligent. And uh, again, like I say, of course, there's always going to be. People who who hate Ivanka Trump just because she's Donald's daughter, they're going the, the left. The, there is a there is a, a a level of hatred on the left, and like I said, we'll get to this later on in the in the in the podcast. But there's a level of hatred from the left that no matter what happens, they're going to hate everything. We could elect Jesus, they would hate him. We could elect Stalin or. Karl Marx or whoever, they would hate him. Everything about them is hateful and and they just want to hate people. So, hey, welcome, Linda. Hey, it's my Aunt Linda. Hi, Linda. So um, anyway, all of that to say, to be very, very clear, I'm not suggesting and I'm certainly not going to be endorsing Ivanka Trump for presidency. But after what what I saw from her this weekend... I believe that she has a very um, capable and attractive enough personality to where she could be a legitimate, viable candidate in 2024. I think she really, really, truly has the possibility or the, the, uh, the chutzpah, as they say, to be the next president. Um, after her dad, she could be the next George W. And again, I'm not talking policy wise or anything like that. I'm just, just historically, you know, the modern day John Quincy Adams, you know, fulfilling or, or following in the footsteps of his, of his dad or George W. Bush following in the footsteps of his dad and so on. She was at the Munich security conference, um, this weekend. She delivered a speech at the 55th annual, uh, Munich security conference. Um, she was there with Vice President Mike Pence. She was there with her husband Jared Kushner, um, and she was able to uh, to schmooze some leaders. And I've got a link to an article I think from the Daily Mail um, in the show notes, so I'll, or I will have a link to it when the when the show goes live. Um, but yeah, she has a very genuine, um, I think, possibility of being uh, a viable candidate for the presidency. I've got a poll. I think in the uh, in the Facebook, or I tried to add a poll in the Facebook live post. So if you're if you go to the Facebook live post, um, you should be able to see uh, the poll. Is what do you think? Could could she be? Would you vote for? Um, no, yes, maybe. Um, check that out as well. But anyway, um, she was at this Munich security conference and gave a speech there. And not everybody loved it. 
but it was well received for the most part. You know, they it wasn't like a you know, it wasn't some historical Ronald Reagan, you know, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev, or anything like that. Um, but generally, um Ivanka, well spoken, and she was roundly um invited into the group if you will she be she was she was a part of the of the clique if you will um and in the speech um she talked about some of her dad's um policies and was able to i think effectively clarify or or clear up some of the misconceptions or at least she attempted to clear up some of the misconceptions that so many people have about Donald Trump because of his abrasive kind of personality and one of the things that she talked about was America first and Donald Trump's America first kind of um, policy or ideology or, or thought process she said this. She said, America first doesn't mean America alone. We're simply proud of our heritage. And I don't remember if that's the exact quote, but it's something along those lines. America first doesn't mean America alone. America first simply means we're proud of our heritage. We're happy that we are Americans. We're glad of what we have accomplished. We're, we're proud of what we as a nation have been able to get done over the last 250 years for the world in general. And and because we are proud of that, we want to first promote America. Because in promoting America, in promoting the United States, we are promoting an ideology that will help bring prosperity to the rest of the world. It was the prosperity of the United States. It was the strength of the United States. It was the, the, the willingness of the United States to be involved in the various issues around the world that have provided security, have provided prosperity, have provided uh, technological advancement to so many different areas of the world. And so America first is because we want to promote America and, and those historical truths that we have been the forefront of economic development. We have been at the forefront of, of technological advancement. We have been at the forefront of disease and dealing with medical and health issues. We have been at the forefront of all of these advancements for humanity. And by promoting that first, it means that we are going to drag along with us the rest of the world, right? as it, the the idea that that um the idea that that uh you know the the rising tide raises all ships right that's that's the kind of thought process that that Ivanka Trump was trying to clarify on her dad's America first agenda and and i think everybody that understands the reality of America first and understands what that really means knows exactly that that's what he's talking about. But there are so many people that hate Donald Trump because of his abrasive personality, because of the way he just comes across as kind of that kind of douchebaggy kind of, you know, kid in school that nobody really likes the, the bully on the playground because they don't, 
hear what he's actually saying. They simply ascribe to the, to him their hatred and and believe that America first means white supremacy, white nationalism, racism, hatred, bigotry, and and homophobia and and Islamophobia and all that kind of stuff. And I think someone like Ivanka Trump is able to to mitigate that abrasiveness and clarify some of the 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 less um or I'm sorry clarify some of the 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 finer points of the America first ideology and I think it's that kind of of clarity and smoothness if you will that Ivanka Trump possesses that would make her an attractive candidate for presidency if she ever decided to go that route. Um, the other thing that was that is interesting to me, and, and like I said, I want to clarify here. I'm, again, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this because I know that someone will say, you're nuts, so I would never vote for her. She's a liberal in, in sheep's clothing, whatever, right? I get all of that. I, the, my concern with Ivanka Trump is not her personality, is not her suaveness, her pol- political savviness, her her chutzpah, as they call it, or whatever. And I think she's actually Jewish. She converted to Judaism because her husband is Jewish. Um, she is not nearly as conservative as people think. She's she's certainly not, in my opinion, she's certainly not as committed to the conservative values that I am committed to. And she's certainly not as committed to the conservative values that I think she needs to be committed to in order to move the country in the right direction. If she were to ever run for president, it, she, I mean, she's already obviously involved in policy and things like that. One of the things that she is involved in is this family medical leave act, or I'm sorry, the family, um, family leave plan stuff. She's connected up with uh, Marco Rubio in that. And that's a whole different discussion. Um, it's not a it's not a conservative plan. It's not even a conservative ideology. Like the the basis of it in general is a liberal thought process, and it's something that I, I think will cause a lot of trouble for us and get us into a lot of trouble. Um, it's been documented publicly that she donated to Hillary Clinton's campaign in two thousand seven. Um, Along with her husband, uh, back in 2012, they ho- or I'm sorry, in 2013, they hosted a fundraiser for Cory Booker, raised like $40,000 for him for his Senate campaign um, after they endorsed Mitt Romney in 2012. So, like, she's not a this is the only way and she's a radical lefty and, and you know, let's, let's murder babies, smoke pot and... and and cuddle up to the Iranians. I mean, she's not that radical left. She's not Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Ocasio-Cortez radical left, but she's certainly not a conservative. And if she were to run, and if she were to run on the Republican ticket, um, those are questions that I would personally want answered. I would want her to, to hey, what's the deal? In 2012, not all that many years ago, you supported Cory Booker. You you raised money for Cory Booker in or 2013, whatever. 
You you supported Hillary Clinton. You donated to her campaign in 2007. So what does that say about what you believe politically? Those are questions that I would want answered. And and I think if if there were one day to be an Ivanka Trump candidacy, those are questions that at least I would want answered. If I had the opportunity to interview her, those would be the questions that I would want answered. What has changed? What are you now committed to that you weren't committed to then? Or what are you no longer committed to now that you were committed to then? Those are questions that would need to be answered for me before I would ever even dream of of uh, supporting a, an Ivanka Trump candidacy. But, like I said, I think it is it is important to um, begin to have this discussion because I can almost promise you that come 2018, 2019, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, 2021, 2022, maybe as late as 2023, this is going to be a discussion. This is going to be something that's going to come up for the 2024 election cycle. Somebody's going to start asking that question. They're going to be asking, hey, what about Ivanka? We need our first woman president. If if you know if somebody like Kamala Harris or you know, Elizabeth Warren or whatever doesn't win in twenty twenty, I don't see um, any of the the Democrat candidates um, right now putting together a legitimate run that would be able to defeat Donald Trump. Donald Trump's approval ratings at fifty two percent, and that's not an endorsement for me. Like I've said many times, I never even voted for the guy. I voted for a third party, a constitution party. I can't even remember the guy's name that I voted for, but just on principle on, on, on ethics, on conscience, I couldn't vote for Donald Trump. Um, now that might be different in, in 2020. That might be different in 2020 just because, um, I see things, maybe a little bit differently. I still don't like Donald Trump as a human being. I think he's a dirtbag of a human being, Um, but he's accomplished way more than I ever expected him to. He's, he's certainly pushed more conservative ideologies than I ever expected him to. I thought for sure we were electing essentially Hillary Clinton light to the presidency. Um, I've I've I was I, I've had to go on the air on my terrestrial radio show, which of course you can find on KNOXradio.com from three to six, um, Monday through Friday. Um, I thought for sure that that she was, or that Donald Trump was going to be Hillary Clinton light. I thought for sure I've had to go on and apologize several times for getting it wrong. He is he's been more conservative than I ever expected him to be. Um, I still don't know if he's quite where I'd like him to be, but. I was surprised, you know, and, and that's the thing. One of the, one of the, and this talks a little bit to the, the, um, the ideology of the never Trumpers. And I was one, I, I said, I will never, ever, ever vote for Trump. There is no way you're ever, I was a Ted Cruz supporter all the way. There was never, ever a day that you were going to get me to vote for Donald Trump. And, and as it stands right now, I'm still kind of there. I, I don't like his, his morality. I don't like his ethics. I don't like all of the 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 abrasive, you know, garbage that he puts out on Twitter. His personality is irritating to me in general. But, um, he he did surprise me. 
So, I mean, and, and this is something that, that as, as people who have opposed Donald Trump, we, we need to at least be intellectually honest enough with ourselves to say, hey, there's good Trump when he does these things, and there's bad Trump when he does these things. And, and those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can, you can be a, a dirtbag human being in your personal life and still espouse good policy. Like, like the idea that Donald Trump has been married three times and had children with whatever, three different women, and, you know, the whole grab him by the whatever comment and, and his track record on the way he treats women in general, that, that is true, and you can still espouse good policy positions. Like, those two things don't have to be separate. You can be a, a, a fine, upstanding citizen and still have bad ideologies, right? You can, you can be, you could be, you know, the, the choir boy, you know, whatever priest, pastor, the, the best moral, most ethical person you've ever seen. And still, if you support socialism, you've got bad ideology. Those two things can be true at the same time. And that's one of the frustrations I have with the left is that there, there, there is no, there's no room for any like if if you have done ever done one thing that that is you know whatever the social faux pas that you've committed according to left whatever the latest trend is then you are all evil and everything you've ever uh, you know espoused as an ideology is evil and and there can't be any sort of hey this can be separated from that I can like red cars and hate Fords, or I can love Chevrolets and hate blue cars, or you know whatever the whatever the 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 silly analogy that you want to make. Those two things, your thought processes, your hates, your your loves, and all of those things are not mutually exclusive. There are Republicans that are dirtbag human beings and should never be allowed in office, but not because of their policies, because of their ethics. On the same token, or on the opposite side of the same token, there are Democrats who are, for the most part, decent human beings, but should never be allowed in office because their policies are garbage. I, I don't... I don't care if they're good and decent human beings. Their policies are just garbage policies. Now, again, on the flip side, one more time, there are Republicans who are good human beings and have good policy. And there are Democrats that are bad human beings and have bad policy. Like, those... Policy and ethics are not the same thing. And I don't know why I have to keep explaining this. I explain this, it seems like, at least once a week on my radio show. Policy and ethics are not mutually exclusive. I can disagree with Donald Trump's ethics and still support his policy or his ideology. I can disagree with Barack Obama and, and still you know, disagree with his policies 
and and still, you know, think he's a, a moral human being. And I don't honestly, I'm not sure that he is, but it's possible. So anyway, all of that to say, when we start looking into the 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 near future of the 2024 election cycle, and I know we're not even into the 2020 cycle yet, but that is something. And mark my words, watch for this. Notice that on whatever February, whatever day it is today, 17th, is it 17th today? 18th, February 18th, that I said it's going to be a discussion that Ivanka Trump will be bantied about as a possible candidate for the 2024 election. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm, I'm certainly not going to, you know, make an endorsement. Um, but... I can I can almost guarantee you it's coming. And it's coming because like I said, we've seen, you know, the Kennedy dynasties, we've seen the Bush dynasties, we've seen even not necessarily the the dynasty but the Al Gore connection. His dad was a was a politician, he was a politician. These we've and it goes back all the way back like I said to the founding fathers. You've got John Adams and John Quincy Adams, father-son team that were both president. I think that's going to be a discussion that's going to come up. We've already thought about or talked about, and you've heard several people suggest that Chelsea Clinton or Michelle Obama or obviously Hillary, who ran and um, failed dramatically and miserably. But don't rule out the possibility of an Ivanka Trump presidential candidacy in 2024. I think it's a possibility. So I want to come back to this. One of the things, and I've got some links to some articles in in this um, there are going to be people because Ivanka Ivanka Trump, like her family leave act plan um, isn't really all that great. Like when it comes to family leave, right? Nobody's, nobody is really completely surprised by a baby being born, right? I mean, once in a while you hear about some lady who was 400 pounds and didn't know she was pregnant, all of a sudden giving birth to a baby. Um, just thought she gained a little bit more weight and didn't know that happens. That's very rare. So when it comes to this family leave act and, and the idea that we need to, as a government pay for people to be off for six or eight weeks or whatever, how many weeks we want them to be off for because of a present, uh, pregnancy or a new child in the family, that is not the role of the government. It's certainly not the role of the federal government. And, and even beyond that, I would suggest that it's not even the role of the state government. Now, I, that's a state's rights issue because the 10th Amendment says, you know, hey, whatever's not the role of the federal government, we're going to leave it up to the states. Whatever we don't specifically give to the, the federal government, it, it's left to the states. So that would be an issue that would be left for the states. But the idea that that it's the government's job to provide for you financial assistance while you're out on maternity leave or paternity leave or whatever. I'm not there. That should be up to you as a personal individual to be responsible. You know, even if you don't, even if you get pregnant by accident, you've got nine months to prepare. You've got nine months to plan for the next six to eight weeks following that. You've got nine months to make lifestyle choices. You've got nine months to figure out how to deal with that particular issue. Now, especially if you're planning it 
right? If you're a family that, that has taken the time to go, hey, I want to find out how I can become a parent. I'm going to do all the research. I'm going to read all the books. I'm going to get the, the, the fertility treatments or whatever I need to do to become a mom or a dad or whatever. And I'm going to make that happen. You've got even more than nine months. And it is not the responsibility of the government. It is not the responsibility of the taxpayers to, to take care of you and make sure that you have the ability to take a six-week, essentially, vacation to prepare for this child's life or to begin bonding with this child and, and all of the important things that happen in the first few weeks of, of the child's life. I get that that's important stuff. What it, what I don't buy into is that it is the, the government's job to provide you with security during that time. That is as a, as a citizen, as a responsible adult, that is your responsibility. Now, as an employer, if you want to offer that to your employees, if you want to offer that benefit as a way to attract new employees and attract, you know, a a mom or a dad who is, is a good worker and is a capable worker and you don't want to lose them and you can't afford to, to, uh, as an employer to have them not come back and you want to offer that benefit, well then so be it. That's that's free choice, that's capitalism, that's the free markets, all that kind of stuff. That's the way it should be. That should be an employee and employer decision. That should not be a federal government decision. That is that is a liberal ideology. That is and I would even suggest that that is a leftist ideology. And so this this Trump slash Rubio plan is just not worth the the time, the effort, the the cost to society to begin to implement because it is not a role that the government should be involved in in any way, shape, or form, and and it just it's uh, just in general a bad bad idea. It takes away control from the individual. It forces employees and employers and and forces businesses into very difficult spots, right? Like if I'm an employer, and and here's the other thing it's going to do. It's going to get fewer and fewer women hired. Because if I'm an employer and I'm going to be employing a, a woman for a particular position, and I know she's married, and I know she's young enough to get pregnant, and I know that she's maybe a newly married individual, and I know that she maybe wants to um, have a family someday, I'm going to be less likely to hire her if I know that someday in the near future, in the next year or two, that she's going to need six to eight weeks or to 12 weeks off, and I'm going to be forced to pay her during those six to eight to 12 weeks. And I'm going to be forced to, to cover her expenses and her replacement. I'm not hiring her. I'm just not, I'm I'm not going to hire 
a woman who could be or could get pregnant. And and that is not good for women. Now, everybody says, well, you can't discriminate, blah, 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 whatever. Right, I don't have to. Right, I can simply say this candidate was a better candidate. This other candidate, this male candidate, this other female candidate who who couldn't get pregnant or, or is too old to be pregnant or, or whatever, or is less likely, in my opinion, because she's you know, 40 years old and, and already has three kids that are, are, you know, graduated from high school or what, I mean, whatever the, the number is, I'm less likely to, I'm more likely to hire her than the woman who's 22, fresh out of college and newly married. So that's the other thing that these, these family leave act plans do. Um, and so the, despite Ivanka Trump's desire to to push these Family Leave Act, which is a leftist liberal thought process. It has been for, for weeks and months and years and decades. They're going to hate her anyway because she's Trump or she's Trump's offspring. And that's kind of the thing that I want to wrap up today with is the idea of the left being being just absolutely consumed with hatred there are i've got some links to articles in things um in the show notes there was an article written i think the guy's name is Bruce Walker and i believe it was let me get it up here i think it was in the american thinker It's, yeah, it's called Defeating Leftism. Defeating Leftism is the only victory. We've, we've got to defeat the ideology of the left. This isn't something we can work together with. This isn't something we can, we can um, be buddies with or, or hang out with on the side. It is something that must be defeated, period. There was an article written also by Henry Binswanger, um, who he writes for, I think this is for Forbes magazine or Forbes website. I don't, whatever. Um, and I lost it. There it is. He he wrote an article. Well, the, the first article was, here it is. Sorry. Got it up. He said, it's time to gore another collectivist sacred cow. This was the first article he wrote. This time it's the popular idea that su- the successful are obliged to give back to the community. That oft-heard claim assumes that the wealth of high earners is taken away from the community. And beneath that lies a perverted Marxist notion that wealth is accumulated by exploiting people, not by creating value as if Henry Ford was not necessary for Fords to roll off the non-existent assembly lines, and Steve Jobs was not necessary for iPhones and iPads to spring into existence. That the ideology of the left, he, he, was, he was called every name in the book. He was threatened with his life. He was, he was you know, told to watch his back 
when he goes outside over this article. The hate mail and the, and the, the garbage that poured in over simply suggesting that we should be glad for the people like Henry Ford and Steve Jobs that have created value for our community. The, the, the hatred that this guy um, received because of his viewpoint on the idea that people can create wealth and accumulate wealth without exploiting people. That it's actually a good thing to create wealth. And the the left is absolutely consumed, so consumed with jealousy and hatred that they can't even acknowledge that their lives are better because of people like Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and others, Jeff Bezos, and others that have created wealth and value for society. And so to to kind of bring this all back around full circle, um, Ivanka Trump, if she ever does decide that she would like to one day become the next George W. and try to run for president in 2024 and follow in her father's footsteps, Ivanka, Ivanka Trump will likely be just as hated as her dad by the radical left. I think she'll be more attractive to other folks than her dad, but she will be hated simply because her last name is Trump. And it won't come from the Republicans. It won't come from the right. The hatred, the vitriol, the violence, the rage, the anger, all of that will come from the left. And that may be... um, a topic for another show. Um, but check out some of the, um, the links in the show notes on the Schmidt show podcast out the and read through some of these articles, especially the one on the American, on the American thinker on defeating leftism because the end goal of leftism as with Nazism, communism, socialism, the end goal is totalitarianism. Immune to argument, truth, empiricism, and logic, as what he, as he says. I, I love this quote. He says, leftism is just as profoundly unserious and simultane- simultaneously as grimly dangerous as any other kind of hateful mythology of modern life. This accounts for the stunning inconsistency and infantile sloganeering, which even the most cursory glance at leftism reveals. Leftists, and hear this, because this is absolutely true, leftists do not want to solve the problems which provide their claim to power. So, leftists encourage Hispanics to not learn English because that would liberate them. Leftists encourage blacks to speak pidgin English because that makes blacks seem ignorant and childish. Leftists manipulate language to invert meaning and prevent both clear thinking and communication. They want public schools to fail, even as they snarl at any proposal to make homeschooling easier to provide the same federal aid for private schools that public schools receive. Leftists also want academia to continue its descent into ideological intolerance and surreal idiocy 
and pathetic narcissism because it is about control. The left cares nothing, as he said in the article, about solving the problems which provide their claim to power. They would rather see humanity continue in poverty and destitution as long as they get to maintain their grasp on power. That is what leftism is. That is what leftism has always been about. Totalitarianism. That's why you see places on college campuses that are safe spaces and, and, and free speech zones and things like that, that you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to say that. They want to shut down liberty. They want to shut down freedom because they know when people are educated, they know that when people are, are informed and able to make their own decision, it loosens their grip on power. The conservative would rather lose control than force totalitarianism on someone. The conservative mindset is, I would rather you choose for yourself even if you choose something I dislike. Liberalism says, we know that you're not capable of choosing for yourself, so we must choose for you. That is the danger of leftism. Totalitarianism is where it always, always winds up. So with that, we will see you next week. And we'll, uh, we'll maybe dig into that topic a little bit more deeply. Uh, talk about the results and the, the, um, the end game of leftism, if we get time. I'm Brad Schmidt. This has been the Schmidt Show. Sans Hig. He is not here today. Busy, busy man. He's got his own business he's got to run. So uh, he'll be back next week, and so will I. I'm actually heading for Arizona, so if you're the praying type, pray for a safe trip. My son and I are heading to Arizona on Wednesday. We're going to go do do some uh, trap shooting in a trap shooting competition. Um, So thank you once again. We'll see you next week on the Schmidt Show podcast. It's all-